Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm your host this afternoon, Ars. Oh, that sounds like a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or you. Or, well, it, I mean, it sounds like that before. Um, every day. Yeah. <laughs> Whether you want to. Or <laughs> yeah, not. yeah, exactly. The older you get, the more squeaks and groans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm R.C. Weslowski, uh, your host today, and in studio we have the artistic director for the Versus Festival of Words, Johnny McRae. Hi, Johnny. Hello. Nice to have you here. Nice to be here. And uh, we're going to get you to start things off with a poem, and then we'll talk about the festival and what's going on. Cool. Um, you know, I'm going to kick it off with something It's uh, a bit longer, sort of a combo of poems. It's a, a selection taken from a, a, a monologue slash long poem. I don't know how to frame it correctly, strictly, called Love Your Weird. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think it speaks a bit to... Why I love doing this work, why I love supporting spoken word and building homes for spoken word, and um, also why, uh, well, and and coming back to um, a a reflection on the passing of people from our community, uh, including Zacchaeus Jackson, who uh, at at the culmination event of our festival will be handing out a a memorial award uh, in his honor, so it feels kind of fitting to start with some love. Of course, a little bit of death, uh, but uh, yeah, from there. All right. I love this song. It bubbles under my nipples, pastes lips to my sternum, sets sparrows zipping in one ear and out the other, melts bird cages and glues feathers to my arms. When I hear this song, I perform in Arbutus striptease, peeling back my layers to reveal green skin emerging from heartwood, a dancer composed of sticky marrow and new breath. When I hear this song, I screw myself and spin the orgasmic orbit of empty space. Empty space transforms my voice box into a vacuum, absorbing the warbling out of every corner of the universe until all I can say is this song. But, you know, it's not just like this song or a particular song. It's it's, it's more like this song. This song that mismatches your socks on awkward Sundays or whatever day you think is full of holes and teaches your feet unexpected dance steps. The song that sucks earlobes, gives arm hair a hard-on, seduces dignity, and makes the dawn blush. The song that makes you a shape-shifting puzzle piece, makes you rattle bones until they stick against skin, let it go, see if it comes back again. This song lures you into gardens, baptizes you with original skin, feeds you knowing fruit, and licks the sap from your lips with a rough... Licks the stickiness from your lips with a rough tongue. And when this song licks you, it feels like needles fitting a groove, like pit bulls on laughing gas, or playgrounds where children can still hurt themselves. (laughs) Your chin bobs its head. 
Your pinky toe discovers a sense of purpose. Your right brain brews thunder. Your left brain weeps uncontrollably. Your vital organs flower into an orchard. Everywhere inside you, pollinators drink hard cider and buzz, a choral version of sexual healing. Although, this song is not your sex life. Just might make your crotch feel real good and move around a little, like a concussion. <laughs> this song might remind you that you are skin and bone and blood, blood, cum, and sweat, sweat, salt, and passing wind. It might spin you a vision of lightning, firing clay, sparking song out of silence, of a flightless buzzard with trees for hands and amphibious feet. When I hear this song, I hear my last breath's first kiss in the mud between my grass stains. I hear my heartbeat. Taste my iron, smell what I musk, feel my primate. And what that is, what I am, as far as my limited self-awareness allows me to say is a shy exhibitionist with an itchy brain and the words, Love is alive! And its ass tastes delicious tattooed on my smile. Just another weirdo preaching a gospel of strangers, which may be why I invite missionaries to speak with me, like the young highwaymen of Christ who ambushed me while I was puffing in the grass outside of a Skytrain station. I bore him no ill will, but I have to say the look on that Mormon boy's face when I finished with him was priceless. In response to my telling him I couldn't care less about what happens after I die, that I am alive and happy to devote my energy to the struggle of living and living well while I do it, he launched into his bid about the cost of admission to paradise, being accepting Jesus as my Lord, and savoring the way those words tasted on his tongue, he was shocked when I interrupted him to say, I don't rightly know that I believe death exists. With that, I began walking away, while this young missionary, like some slack-jawed disciple, followed at my heels, asking, You mean you don't believe we die? I reassured him that we die, that our bodies cease to exist, but for a moment I was tempted to see if I might convert him to the view that we are an unending cascade of echoes and glances, passing clouds turn mountains and ever-present sky, that when the body is gone, the breath remains. So I could have told that boy about my grandpa, how the old man still lives in my voice when I hum solutions to my problems with his plodding baritone in my throat, or my knees when they foreshadow the feeling of his cane in my hand, or my arms when they long to wrap my family in a great big bear hug. I could have told that boy about a friend and fellow poet, how sometimes I feel his breath slip into my body and pass through my lips faster than they can give it shape, transforming my words into his lightning, striking quick yet articulate, or how I continued to hear him speak on the tongues of those his voice lifted. And yes, when his body was gone, I puddled in grief and senseless alcohol and felt like a lost child, and many hearts were rent, many hands forgot how to work, many words transformed into incoherent moans of agony, and yet his echoes still rumble in the ground, crack voices and bursting dams and I am still shaken with tears and laughter for though his body is gone his breath remains so then I might have told that boy about the weird sisters who only make their cuts so all these yarns might be woven into a larger fabric where we will live together again as two words in a sentence bonded molecules and exhalation a subconscious gesture I might have added that the word yarn derives from a root that means guts or intestines, those cords on which our bodies play when they plug in and go electric, so then I might have asked him to listen to the music vibrating on those twisted strings inside him, explained that we are sound shaped out of silence, nothing more than music of the cosmos, resonating waves washing one over the other, and that every wave breaks and then washes back into the sea, giving rise to new swells just as the body goes and the breath remains. Finally, I might have told that boy that I am happily on my way to whatever weird place it is that I am going, and that if I have any thought of an afterlife, it is a dream, that I will become a story and a compost heap, a glimmer in the eye and a curling lip. 
a pool of laughter collecting in the lungs of those who never knew me and a drop of water in the eyes of those who did that i will become a signpost reading love your weird pointing in whichever direction you are traveling and that i will remain an echo rumbling in the ears of those i leave behind that sounds like a smile saying this 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 because this song is the song that never ends really it sounds like nothing at all or everything all at once and thank you very much. We're done. Yeah. That's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. That's enough. That, that's, that was everything. That had everything. A little bit. Yeah. 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 And so well, tell us about working with a, a longer show, a longer format as compared to like, you know, slam poems or three minute long poems. Um, I, you know, I, I feel as though it's something like over the course of the last five or six years, Sorry, I just looked up and saw the words human compost. Well, I was going to bring that up later because okay, cool, you talked yeah. about your compost. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, Yeah, I, I feel as though, you know, writing the, the shorter poems, uh, like I, I started in the Poetry Slam and, and I, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I was ever writing poems specifically for the Slam, but it certainly shapes you towards, uh, you know, getting into a groove of writing three minutes. Um, and I think the nature of slam often puts a pressure on you to feel like, okay, I'm, in three minutes, I'm going to I'm gonna resolve this thing. I'm going to resolve, like, world problems. Well, it's like Lucia Mish says, the crescendo of empowerment yeah. to, end the, to end a lot of uh, slam-oriented poems. Totally. And, and in, a, in, in three minutes, you can do that for 30 seconds. But with this, you can do it for, like, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, I, I think that there's always greater depth and complexity that we can delve into and mm -hmm. in that you know i'm very interested in uh offering audiences a transformative experience whether or not it's something that actually changes how they see the world or interact with the world or just simply the fact that they are a slightly different person or their day is different right mm -hmm. you know that that uh uh, uh, the very same Lucia and I were talking about this not too long ago. You know, those sorts of days where you're just like miserable and everything sucks and you really don't want to go out, but you do because for whatever reason you're obliged to go out to like a show or something. And by the time you leave that show, you're just, it's like a totally different day. You feel fantastic and alive. So, you know, having the opportunity to, to take people through that. And I feel like with the longer work, uh, you know, you, with these ideas, there's a, a ability to take people really into the depth of that. So the phrase, love your weird, is uh, my translation of a, a phrase from Nietzsche, Amor Fati, which is usually translated as love your fate. Um, but being a bit of a, a nerd, I, I knew that the word weird in Anglo-Saxon, what we call Old English, is... Um, is the same word. It, it means fate. And, mm. they, you know, they would teach you that it specifically means kind of like death fate. But then I started thinking that I was like, well, fate correlates with fatal and uh, destiny correlates with destination so i don't think that fate or destiny or weird has ever really meant anything other than the point at which you die is the point at which you are meant to die mm. uh, not necessarily every single thing you do is uh gonna happen along the way <laughs> exactly as planned um so i and and to me that that became very early on a bit of a life philosophy love your weird mm -hmm. and just accept that not only the weirdness of yourself but also that you are alive and you are alive in the world as you are in the world. And, um, and you know, finding a balance with that of not being like this kind of nihilistic, you just must accept whatever yeah. your lot yeah. in life is. But, but um, 
and and so I feel like this this the purpose of turning this into this monologue for me was like I want to take people through the the depth of uh, that concept, lead them to a point where I can really articulate "Love Your Weird" in a way that because um, you know it really doesn't jam with living in a society where everyone believes basically in free will, mm. and I don't. Um, so uh, there's that kind of challenge there and I, I at the same time within it to break each of those things love you know I wanted to get into an in-depth exploration of love and, and your in terms of like your your sense of identity and what makes you as a person and then of course just being weird so so you don't think there's any free will at all or what do you mean uh, by, I, what you, you know I think we have choice um, in a very limited way but I feel like if you were to you know you wouldn't have to zoom out very far uh, in order, I think, to look at any particular human being and say that, like, you might believe that you are making a a totally different choice in any given moment um, freely, but I'm pretty sure that if you zoomed out far enough, you could say, oh, yes, we could predict uh, most choices, you know. Mm. Um, or within that, you know, I think oftentimes with how we understand free will, what that term really connotates to to me is this notion that, like, I can do anything at any point and I can will things to be as they are when I want them to be or whatever this might be, right? Um, that, uh, uh, you know, in a, in a really, like, one way, I think it's a really problematic moral concept how it ties into our understanding of people ethically because we look at someone who engages in terrible behavior or does something that's criminal or whatever hurts other people and we we i think very often the notion that someone should just be able to make a choice not to be that way uh is rooted in this kind of concept of free will whereas we understand i think increasingly that past experience shapes us in ways that sometimes removes our ability to choose to act in ways that we would like i might not want to go around the world being rude to people on a given day, but uh, I may be caught up in, uh, you know, anxieties and other sure. things that are developing out of out of my past that are beyond my ability to control in the moment. So, um, I would say that I think that you can learn to to make change those thought behaviors and patterns and make choices, but you have to be aware enough to know that you might be caught in a construct of some sort. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, human composting. <laughs> yeah. Had you have you heard of it? I just heard this on the news uh, today or yesterday. But I guess uh, Washington State's set to become the first state to allow for human composting. Which oh, wicked. I don't entirely know what that means, other than because I'm just looking at the headline. But I think it is what I think. You know, you put people in the earth and you compost them up and become something. So yeah, you've uh, you were ahead of your time well, again. You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> If you choose to yeah, I, willingly be a, you composted later on, I well, I, I you know I think I would be down with that. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice thought. Yeah, and I was also thinking of the playgrounds where children can be hurt, because uh, I you know a little older I can remember those days of like you know being rocks and gravel underneath the monkey bars and all mm. that sort of stuff. But I was up at a uh, elementary school on the weekend just want, going for a long walk and. Uh, saw some of their, you know, bars and, and things that they've got there, and I grabbed onto some, and they're all like, uh, they're not, they're all imbalanced in some way, so that you're kind of moving around, and I, like, basically, I was grateful for the sawdust underneath there now, because mm -hmm. I did not get hurt, uh, tumbling <laughs> to the ground, and so, okay, I'm not too, I'm not, I don't really mind that they're helping the kids. Yeah, totally. Well, you know, I have to say, I, uh, I, I, I like that line, so I've kept it. But I wrote no, it. I, like I it wrote too. it prior to um, having having <laughs> a kid, and uh, yeah, I, 
I, I will say that I, I fully understand now being a parent watching there, watching like Taiyu scramble up all around these rope structures and being like, oh, there's some part of my brain that is like, I gotta just not think about if he like trips and falls because, yeah. oh my goodness, the, the things that I could imagine happening. Sure. So I can understand that impulse to be like, no, this needs to be. Yeah. But, but also before, at least for me anyway, parents didn't watch us do that. So yeah. when we landed on the ground, there was no one to look to and go, <laughs> does this hurt or something? Yeah, it just totally. hurts or something. Well, I, I grew up with, my, my dad was a rugby player, so yeah. we very much grew up being like, well, uh, just put some duct tape on it and yeah. like get back out yeah, there. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So one of the reasons we wanted you on the show today is uh, you're the artistic director, this year's uh, artistic director for the Versus Festival of Words. Mm -hmm. um, tell us about that's been like for you and uh, what people can expect with the festival. Yeah, um, it's it's been a, a really wild ride, I have to say. Um, but I'm very excited for what we've been able to put together. Uh, the... The festivals come together on a very short timeline this year. So ordinarily, we're we're, you know, starting, like, getting artists and confirming all those details no later than September. Um, and uh, I didn't. I was hired in December this year. <laughs> we had our venues, uh, and uh, some some basics of the the programming for Hullabaloo, but most of it was was still very wide open. Mm -hmm. And our, most of our festival staff only came on about six weeks ago. Um, so, you know, I, I, I've been saying to people, it's dawned on me this week that the majority of this festival has really kind of come together in, in about a six week period. Um, but, uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's really something I'm, I'm very excited for the range of the programming that we're offering this year. Um, so of course, starting tomorrow, very near and dear to my heart is, you know, having been co-director of it with you for a few years, uh, it's, uh, Baloo, so our, our youth programming uh, portion it's kind of a bc high school poetry slam uh championship mm -hmm. and uh, we'll have some artists i'm very excited about performing there so l jones is going to be performing tomorrow night at our spoken word jamboree um former halifax poet laureate and like a, a major advocate for, for prisoners rights prisoners rights yeah. Um, and they just won, yes, or at least it was announced yesterday, so I don't know if it had been uh, out there a bit before they announced it. Um, I always mention she's one of the uh, this year's Writers' Trust recipients, uh, yeah. and so she's won, I think, $5,000 to help with her writing, along oh. with a four or five, Shailene Knight also uh, was one of the local, um, someone locally who won. Uh, so yeah, so L's one, they're coming in and they're actually, they're going in out to Victoria today to perform yeah. at uh, Tongues of Fire. Yeah, they will be there indeed. It's going to be, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very excited to have L with us and, and, um, speaking of Victoria, our former, one of the former Victoria youth poet laureates and Bernice Thomas is going to be at the festival as well. Um, just really dope kind of multimedia artists, theater crossover. Um, and then of course, Ruby Singh is closing out at our, our finals, um, and I, I love I love what Ruby does and loops mm -hmm. and, and kind of yeah a lot of fusion. I mean I, a, a big thing it really sets the stage for me with a lot of what's moving forward with the festival because we've had a strong element of uh, this is this isn't anything particularly new but you know we we're really very keen this year on artists working in multidisciplinary uh, fashion um, and and in a lot of different ways of what that might look like. So of course one of our, our major headliners is uh, Vivek Shreya who's going to be performing on Sunday at the York Theatre. Uh, and I'm really, I mean, I'm just so, like, it's it's quite 
mind-boggling and exciting for me just as an individual to realize that we, we get to be the official Vancouver launch of uh, mm-hmm. Vivek and Nestle's graphic novel, Death Threat. Um, and I, I really think that she's an artist who encapsulates a lot of what I wanted to highlight at the festival this year, uh, both in terms of how her art dovetails with uh, you know an element of activism and, and social change and consciousness, um, but also... You know, got a graphic novel coming out. It's done sort of memoir, autobiography, books of poetry, long, long established musical act. Yeah. Um, you know, so there, I, I really wanted to look at how we can highlight that sort of crossover throughout the week. And then a uh, big shift for us this year is that normally we have the Vancouver Poetry Slam finals on the Monday night of the festival. This year we, we just had them this week. Uh, and this year we're having instead the, the official launch of Right Bloody North Publishing, which is uh, the Canadian imprint of the uh, long-established and popular American uh, uh, publisher, Right Bloody. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got... Who's in that one? Uh, Ian Ketaku, uh is a former World Poetry Slam champion. He's, he's one of their... Uh, he and, and uh, Tito Lopez Nuga are, are the two artists that are releasing their books this spring who are going to be at that show. Um, super excited to have Titi here. She's, you know, I, I met her first as a member of the Edmonton Poetry Slam team, but she's since been largely relocated to Lagos in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we get to have her on the West Coast and she's going to be performing at that event and doing a workshop the next day, uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, and then we'll also have Brandon Wint from Edmonton uh, and Lucia Mish, both of whom have books with Right Bloody coming out uh, later in the year. Um and then, yeah, we have Interrobang on Tuesday night. And it's got Reggie Kabiko at it. And Reggie is one of my absolute favorites. So mm-hmm. I just leapt at the chance to have him at the festival. Uh, and then, of course, Mash Poetics on Thursday night doing a 10th year anniversary and a nice sort of crossover show with uh, some Australian poets. So Cool. Yeah. Um, if people want to... There, there's programs out now. Where, yes. where can people pick them up if they're interested? Uh, we've, we've had programs distributed to different uh, cafes and the like across the city. Um, so, you know, you should be able to see them. They're beautiful, long... Kind of like someone was telling me the other day they look a bit like a restaurant menu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> flip them open and, and pick whichever delicious spoken word event you want to go yeah. check out. Um and there are these beautiful sort of sunset orange programs with verses and a little crow on them. Who designed those? Uh, Leia Herrera, uh, our fantastic graphic designer. I, lo- I have to say one of the things that's made me happiest this entire last, like, four months has been every single time I get an email from Leia with some new design for whatever it is, I, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And also uh, versusfestival.ca if people want to go online. Yep. Totally. Or uh, youthslam.ca for specifically Hullabaloo, but versus, fest- versus festival.ca has uh, uh, all, all the details. Info, yeah. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, uh, do you want to read one more poem for us? Do sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll do a, a bit of an old standby okay. at this point. Uh, and uh, we didn't mention it. The other one didn't have any, so that was fantastic. But if there are any F bombs, just make it an F. Oh, yeah. Rather than a, you yeah, know, yeah. an Ock. No. Yeah. Just the F, no Uck. Okay. okay. Sounds good. What about, what about Shh? Is that a Shh? Sh- it sh- is okay. Sh- okay. It. Yeah. I'll go with it. It. Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh, all right. This is kind of for the, the youth portion of things. Mm-hmm. I've been building my niece a bookshelf. 
The first shelf I'm making from memories of nights when her grandfather would sit on my bedside and we would read aloud to one another from Kevin O'Connor and the Light Brigade, a beautiful red hardcover with skeletons charging on horseback under a navy blue sky on the sleeve. And there's already some books on this shelf. Redfish, Bluefish, and Hop on Pop, as well as a book of paintings and few words about the life cycles of salmon. The second shelf I'm going to make from the pocket-sized poetry books her grandmother used to keep on a bedside table. And so here she'll learn about haiku and sonnets, whatever stories of myth time call her attention. She might sit on my knees the way that I sat on her great-grandfather's and learn the music of speaking when the words call forth her voice. The third shelf I'm going to make from the masking tape that holds together my first copy of Lord of the Rings. And so here she'll find her way with a golden compass, riding sandworms with Beowulf or Odysseus. Or she might travel to the moon in the shell of a giant snail where she'll learn the language of trees. Or she could slip on a ring, dive into a pool, find herself in another world altogether where everything that moves has words. The fourth shelf I'm going to make from the bindings of old journals. And so here she'll learn about free enterprise and ceremony. Teen angst poetry and raven song rising into thin air. Everywhere being is dancing on this shelf. The book thief goes train spotting and finds the kiss of the fur queen where some birds walk for the hell of it and orange is not the only fruit of American gods. And by the time she's tall enough to reach the books on this shelf, she'll be old enough to pick whichever one she wants there. Old enough that when she asks me why the last book on the last shelf is Oh, the Places You'll Go, I'll be able to tell her, because that it's effing timeless, sunshine. <laughs> and inside its cover, she might find a note reminding her that a bookshelf should be a garden bed for stories, that she should learn to read all the greasy fingerprints, the watermarks, and all the dog-eared pages, learn to read the rips and tears or notes in the margins, the broken bindings, the missing bindings, the bindings that open to hands like the hearts of old friends, to know that books were made for generations of fingers, and that I built this bookshelf out of a memory and a dream that someday I might hand down a little red hardcover under a navy blue sky with the words... Take this book into your hands and know you are holding your grandfather's. Aw. Oh, that's a lovely one. Everyone loves that poem every time you perform it, and with good reason. Well, and the, my private joke about it is that it was originally just a boring poem about books. It's one of the only times I've <laughs> like written a poem specifically to go for slam because yeah. it was originally a, a boring poem about books and then I needed a two-minute poem for the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam, which will be happening next week as part of Verses as well. And uh, Mary Pinkowski from Edmonton was like coaching me on it and she was just like, well, you should got to find a way to like twist on the heartstrings of the judges. So I was like, I know, I'll make it about my niece. So I like to joke with people that I'm like, it's simultaneously really heartfelt, but yeah. also kind of cynical at the same time. And also grandpa, there's, you put your grandpa in there. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, oh yeah, my whole family. Grandmother and grandpa, grandmas and grandpas, throw them into poems and people are always like, oh, oh, okay. yeah. oh my oh. gosh, you, you, you're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only it was that formulaic. <laughs> <laughs> if only it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so if people want to get uh, advanced uh, festival passes, uh, brown paper tickets, but also yep. uh, for shows too? Yeah, so brown paper tickets. We got uh, most of our, our tickets. We also have festival passes available for $75 um, at vs19 Uh And uh, any individual shows have their own links up there. Um, the shows that are running at Havana Theater are specifically on showpass.com. They have their own uh, ticketing arrangement for okay. that. Um, and all of our shows, uh, if you show up at the door, if you look at the advanced prices, like advanced pr tickets will get you in guaranteed. Um, 
but if you uh, if you show up at the door, all of our shows are pay what you can. So we would rather have enthusiastic people in the audience who want to see this work mm-hmm. uh, than your money. Although, of course, we can always Both, use your yeah. money. Yeah. And uh, just to note, all the events at the Vancouver Public Library are free. Mm-hmm. And that is for a Hullabaloo, which opens tomorrow, the Spoken Word Jamboree with... Uh, L. Jones, and that starts at 6.30 tomorrow evening downstairs in the Alice McKay room. Uh, so, yeah, and there's uh, elevator access for any sort of uh, wheelchair access as well, and uh, check that out. Yeah, it's all free. I'm just trying to check out some other stuff here online on my little phony mm-hmm. um, for events. Uh, so the, the Sounds Like Fire is on Sunday, uh, the Death Threat book launch with Vivek Shraya, and that's at the York Theater, and uh, other stuff, oh, well, whatever. You can, you know, you've got, if you're listening, you probably have a phone or something, too, or, or access to some sort of electronic thing that'll get you to the Internet, and check yeah. it out. Poetry, uh, the Verses Festival of Words happening. It's billed as a Canada, one of Canada's largest or Western Canada's largest alternative literary festival. And it yep. definitely has, like you were saying, exploring multimedia uh, presentation of uh, spoken word and poetry. And uh, Surrey, the Surrey Muse Group are uh, doing an event. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, a Vines Art Festival. Vines Art Festival uh, connected, yeah. yeah. We have a couple, uh, we have five workshops throughout the week. I won't get into all the details, but they range from like how to make a living as an artist to uh, doing work with loop pedals. Um and uh, two events that I'm actually very excited for is uh, our Talk the Talk events. These are like community dialogue events. Um, and our first one happens at 1 p.m. on Thursday next week, uh, the, the May the 2nd. Uh, it's Talk the Talk about decolonizing the arts. Um, and on Saturday at noon at Havana Theatre, we're going to have another Talk the Talk on uh, the climate crisis, how the arts can respond to the climate crisis. Cool. Excellent ideas. Yeah. Right on. Thank you for joining us today. Johnny McRae, the artistic director of the 2019 Versus Festival of Words. And if someone wants to get a hold of you or like see what you're doing after the festival performing, what can they do? Uh, I I mean, probably the best bet would just be to like me on Facebook, I guess. Or like him in person. Or like him in person. Well, you don't have to. Yeah. (laughs) You will though. As soon as you meet him, you will. All right. That's it. Uh, Thanks for being our guest today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm R.C. Weslowski. Uh, Next week, we'll have one of the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam competing poets, Keisha Cook, as our guest. Until then, No Apologies Necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what?